0: Proverbs 29:18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that kept the law, happy is he. This message is the first in the series, I will grow stronger. The message is entitled, Grow Your Vision. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Your Bibles, your teaching sheets, as we turn our attention to God's Word today. In this series of messages, I will grow stronger. I want to talk to you today about growing your vision, the importance of developing your spiritual vision. When God created you, He made you for a life that is more, a life that is abundant. God wants you to have a fulfilled life. That's his plan. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10: the thief comes as the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so you can have life and have it more abundantly. That is the abundant life, a more life. For us to experience this more life, this abundant life that God has for us, we have to make certain choices. It doesn't just automatically happen. You have to choose to do certain things in your journey. And we've been talking about some of these key decisions. We've talked about the importance back in September of making the choice, I will not settle for less. God made me for more. And so I'm not going to settle for a lesser kind of life than the life God has for me. And then we moved from that decision to the next decision, I will go deeper. I'm going to establish some found foundations of depth in my life. I'm not going to be a shallow person. I'm not going to be a shallow believer. I will have depth, and now we're coming to the third decision. I will grow stronger. Why is growing stronger so important? It's important because weakness is dangerous. When you are weak, you are vulnerable, When you're weak, you will often fall prey to illnesses and diseases. When you're weak, you simply are not able to do what you would like to be able to do. Weakness can be a very horrible curse in your life. Weakness can get you into a lot of trouble. And just like physical weakness affects you in a variety of ways, spiritual weakness will affect you also. We need to be spiritually strong. And if you're going to have a strong body, you have to exercise your muscles. There are certain muscle groups that you have to pay attention to. You exercise them. You grow them. You add resistance to them so that they get stronger over a period of time. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. You have to work on spiritual life muscles if you're going to gain strength. It doesn't just happen. You can't just sit back and hope you get stronger any more than you can hope you get stronger physically. You have to do the workout. Without the workout, there's not going to be the progress. And so there has to be some work done for you to gain spiritual strength. It doesn't just automatically happen. You need to work on your life muscles. And what are these life muscles? We're going to talk about them in this series together, but the first life muscle that I want to talk to you about today is gaining greater strength and vision, having strong vision. Your spiritual vision is extremely important. As we start a new year together, that's where I want to begin with you. I want to start with talking to you about the value of vision in your life. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 is a very powerful verse that describes the importance of having a strong, proper vision. The scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Notice where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no no understanding, where there's no revelation, where there's no grasping of spiritual truth, people perish. It's extremely important that we understand this word perish. What does it mean? In the Hebrew language, the word literally means this, to let go or to let loose. It means to run wild or to run without direction or to run without focus. That is, when you don't have vision, the proper vision for your life, you'll not have good direction for your life. It is your vision that gives you focus. It is your vision that will give you direction. We need a strong vision muscle. What is vision? Vision is at least three things. Vision is about what you see or don't see. Vision is about what you look at or what you refuse to look at. And vision is about how you look at something or how you refuse to look at something. It's about your perspective and your perception. Every person here today, you already have some level of vision in your life. You can't live without some level of vision. But for many of us, our vision either is wrong or it is weak. It needs to be adjusted. You have a vision about life. You have a vision about what's important in life. You have a vision about God and what role he plays in your life. You have a vision about yourself, who you are, in reference to God and others. And you have a a vision about other people. There's certain things that you think, and certain things that develop the perspective of your life and the perceptions of your life that are already in place. But what I want to do in today's message is to challenge those a bit and to help you think about where is your vision. Is it strong in the way that God wants it to be strong? Does it need to be adjusted? Does it need to be reinforced? So we might say today that we're going to have a vision check you've gone to the optometrist and sat in that chair and they pull that incredible piece of equipment over your eyes and start clicking little things in front of you and asking you which is better, one or two, two or three, four or five, and you say, I don't know, I have no clue, okay? What that doctor is doing is determining what's going on. They're able to read into those responses and the testing that they do. The quality of your vision and how to make correction to your vision so you can see well. Well, today we need some correction to our vision. We're going to take a look at how that happens in life. And the way I want to do that first is by giving you three stories from the Bible. Or three, three particular people that I want to talk about who had exceptional vision. I'll start by talking about Elisha. A prophet of the Old Testament, we'll talk about Joshua, a very key person in the Old Testament, and then we'll talk about Jesus himself and the vision that Jesus had. Let's start by talking about a man named Elisha. Elisha was a prophet in the Old Testament during the time of the northern kingdom of Israel, and he was a great, great man of God. He was the protege of another prophet named Elijah. So Elijah trained this man, Elisha. And during the time in which Elisha lived, there was some some tensions and some potential conflict going on between Israel and a country by the name of Aram, or what we would know today as modern-day Syria. Syria, the king of Syria, wanted to invade Israel. That was the plan. And this is what would happen. Every time the king of Israel would come up with a strategic plan to invade Israel, Elisha, one of the prophets of Israel, would receive a revelation from God as to where the attack was about to occur and would go and tell the king of Israel where this attack was about to happen. So the king of Israel would respond and put forces there and thwart the attack, preempt the attack. And over this happened repeatedly, a number of times. And eventually, the king of Syria says, what is going on here? Every time I plan to invade Israel, Israel finds out where I'm going to invade. There must be a spy in my midst. Who's telling them what I'm talking about? And one of his advisors said, no, no, king, you don't understand. We're not telling anybody anything. But down in Israel, there's a prophet by the name of Elisha. And every time you make a plan to attack Israel, God speaks to Elisha. And Elisha goes and tells the king, and that's where the issue is. It's not us, king. It's Elisha in Israel. And so the king of Syria made this decision. We're going to go get that guy because he's our problem. And once he's out of the way, we can then invade as we want to invade. So let's pick up the story now in second Kings chapter six, beginning in verse number 13. So this is the king of Syria speaking here. Go and find out where he is, as Elisha the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram, or that's Syria, sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So just press the pause button there just for a moment. Let me explain what's going on so far in this story. So the king of Syria discovers where Elisha is. He's in Dothan, so he sends an army against him. Think about this. One man now is is going to be attacked by an entire army. That's not a good day when a whole army comes against you. So here's Elisha in Dothan, and he has his servant there with him. And as they have slept overnight, these forces of Syria have come in and surrounded the city of Dothan. So the servant of Elisha gets up early the next morning and looks out and sees all of these forces surrounding them. It's he and Elisha and all of these forces all around the city. And he looks at Elisha and says, what are we going to do now? We are in big trouble. And notice what Elisha does, how he responds. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. This is verse 16. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Pause button again. Can you imagine being that servant? He's starting to do the math. 1, 2, 10, 15, 20, 100, 200, 500. And Elisha is saying, there are more with us than with them. I'm sure that there had to be a bit of, this guy is crazy. He does not have a clue what's really going on here. But Elisha had vision that this man didn't have. Are you with me? Elisha had a vision that this man didn't possess. And it's revealed here in the next verse because now we see in verse 17 that Elisha prays a prayer. This prayer is significant. He says, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. You ought to circle that phrase on your notes, open his eyes. God, I'm praying that you'll allow this young man to see like I see. I pray that you'll give this young man the kind of vision I have. Let him see that, in fact, the army of God is with us. And while there's the army of Syria surrounding us, there are more warriors of the armies of God from heaven that are surrounding us. Oh yeah, they're invisible, but they're very much real. I can see them. The Bible says the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. That's the angelic host surrounding them. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha escaped from that situation, but it had to do with vision. From all outward appearance, Elisha was in a lot of trouble, but Elisha understood, I'm not really in trouble because I can see something beyond what the circumstances are telling me. And for your year to be the year that God wants it to be, and for your future to be all that God has planned for it to be, there has to be a vision that sees beyond your circumstances that's able to see God in the midst of your circumstances. There's another story in the Bible of a man named Joshua. Joshua was the predecessor of a man named Moses. You all know Moses. Moses was the one that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, across the Red Sea, 40 years in the wilderness. And Moses leads them up to the edge of the Red, uh, edge of the promised land. And, and it's, it, it, they're, they're prepared to go in. But God does not allow Moses to lead them in. Moses dies at the top of Mount Nebo. And at that point, the responsibility is turned over to Joshua to lead the children of Israel. And Joshua was very intimidated by this task because he's following a man named Moses. Anybody want to follow Moses? I mean, Moses, he's, he's, he's an awesome guy. He's incredible. So Joshua is trying to fill Moses' shoes. How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna be the leader that Moses was? And he feels this responsibility. And so God speaks to him right after Moses dies in Joshua chapter one, beginning in verse six, and listen to what God says to him. This is key to what we'll see here in just a moment when we get to chapter six. Chapter one, verse six. Be strong and courageous, God says to Joshua, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction or book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then Will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God says, Joshua, here's what you need. You need to be strong and courageous. You need strength in your life. As we're going to see, one of the elements of strength was strength of vision. Because by the time we get to chapter 6, the children of Israel have already crossed over the Jordan River. They've gone into the Promised Land, and they're facing their first battle in the promised land because they have to drive the inhabitants out to possess the land. And the first battle that Joshua faces when he leads the people into the land is at a city called Jericho. You remember Joshua and Jericho, right? Jericho was an impenetrable city. Actually, Jericho is the oldest inhabited city in the world. The walls of the city of Jericho have been were, were massive walls and here is Joshua looking at this first uh, attack that he has to make against this fortified city. And he's wondering, yeah, I know God told me to be strong and courageous, but how are we going to do this? This is our first battle. How are we going to win? How are we going to get a foothold in this new territory? How will we do this? And God shows up again again in Joshua's life and speaks to him now this next time. Notice what he says. We're in chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. This is so key, because what did God tell him in chapter 1? Be strong and courageous. Now let's see how he gained strength. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, so God is about to speak again. What is the first word that God spoke to Joshua. Say it with me. Come on, church. What is the word? See. He didn't say do. He said see. see. He didn't say march. He said see. see. He didn't say attack. He said see. Before you do anything, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to See. see. I want your vision to be right. I want you to be looking the right way at this situation. Because if you don't look with the right perspective, if your eyes are not where they need to be, if your vision is not right, that you're you're never going to be able to be successful. You've got to see what you need to see so you can be who you need to be and do what you need to do. And so there is a seeing moment. So God speaks to Joshua and says, see, 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 I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Now let's just stop for a moment. Reality in the moment was Jericho was still a fortified city. The battle had not even started yet, but God said to Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to see before the first part of the battle even begins that the victory has already been won. I want you to see it. You got to have vision here. And then after that, he gave him instruction about marching. And he said, you're going to march around the city walls. And you all know the story. You can read about it there. And then the victory came on the seventh day when the walls came down miraculously. And they went in and took the city. It was an amazing thing. But it all started with Joshua doing what? Seeing. He had to see. So your vision is extremely important because your vision sets the direction of your life. Your vision sets the focus of your life. Athletes understand this. Professional professional athletes are trained to envision their action on the field before they even step on the field. They envision the movements they'll go through and the plays they will run. And Olympic athletes are trained to work their mind through the sequence of of events they're engaged in before they jump in the pool or 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 end up on the gymnastic mat they're going through these things in their head and they're seeing themselves go through this process their vision is leading them forward to success your vision is extremely important God gave you the capacity to see on the inside anything great that ever happens on the outside always starts with vision on the inside Jesus showed us this We saw it in Elisha, we saw it in Joshua, we see it in Jesus. Jesus saw things different from everybody, okay, didn't he? He saw things differently from everybody. There was a day when he was preaching and looked out and there was 5,000 men in the crowd, plus the women and the children, so the crowd that day could have been 15 or 20,000 people. And Jesus said, hey, let's feed them. Hey, disciples, let's give them some food. Now, can you think about that? You have to have vision just to even make that statement, right? There are no grocery stores anywhere nearby. Nobody has that kind of food to feed all these people. But Jesus looks at the, at the disciples and says, hey, guys, let, let's feed them. Let's, ha- let's, have a, let's have a banquet. And the disciples said, you've got to be kidding, Jesus. We don't have, have any food. And he says, go see what you can find. And so they start scurrying around the crowd, and they find a little boy and steal his lunch from him. I mean, they're desperate. They run back to Jesus with five loaves and two little fish, and they say, well, Jesus, we looked at everybody. Nobody brought any lunch with them today, but we did find one little kid, and he had five loaves and two fish. But what is that among so many? How could this even come close to meeting the need? But Jesus said, give them to me. Give them to me. And so Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. You know the story. He held them up and blessed them before the Father in heaven and began to break them and multiply them. And there was a miracle that day. Why? Because Jesus saw what no one else could see. The disciples saw lack. Jesus saw plenty. It was another day when Jesus was on a boat with his disciples. And he decided to lay down in the back and go to sleep. A storm came up, and this terrible storm is rocking that boat, and the waves are breaking over in the boat and crashing around them, and the storm clouds are just around them. The wind is blowing. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. The disciples are extremely afraid. They were, they were fearful that they were going to drown, and so they woke Jesus up and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Get up and do something. Help us, okay? And Jesus rose up. While the disciples saw a storm, Jesus saw calm. And he spoke calm because his vision was that he could speak calm. He was the Lord of nature. Amen. The Lord of nature. There was a day when Jesus arrived at a house in Bethany. It was the home of a man by the name of Lazarus who had died. And actually, not only had he died, but he'd been already been buried and had been in the tomb for four days. And he shows up on the scene and his two sisters, Martha and Mary, see Jesus. And they said, Jesus, if you'd been here, things would have been different. Jesus, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. But in essence, because he's dead now, there is no hope. Jesus said, take me to the tomb. Jesus, they said to Jesus, you don't want to go to the tomb. He's been in the tomb for four days. You don't want to go there. He says, take me to the tomb and roll away the stone. Why? Because he was the Lord who saw life, not death. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. There in that moment, they saw death. Jesus saw life and he spoke those words. Lazarus come forth and Lazarus came forth all bound up and Jesus said, untie him and let him go and everything changed that day because Jesus showed up with the vision of life. See, things change when there's the right vision. How is your vision? How do you see? What do you see? Do you see as God sees or do you see from the human perspective as you see? God wants to adjust your vision. Let me give you quickly five things that you need to do if you're going to improve the vision of your life. This is what you need to practice. This is how you build your vision muscles. Anybody want to have better vision muscles? Do you? Amen? About four of you do, okay? How many of you want more vision muscles, amen, okay? These are your exercises, okay? You ready for your exercises? Okay? I mean, if you go to the gym, you want bigger biceps. They're going to show you the exercises to do for biceps, right? Okay? And they can tell you the exercises all day long, but if you don't show back up at the gym and do them, guess what? You're going to be as puny as you are right now, okay? Okay? So I'm going to give you the exercises that you need to do to increase your vision. Number one, each day of your life and as you move forward in your life, see, always see the God who is for you. That your number one vision is to say this, I know that in life I'm going to have many things that will come against me, many things that will stand against me, many things that will be in opposition to me, even things that will be hostile toward me, things that are contrary toward me. There'll be a lot of things that will come against me, but whatever comes against me, I'm going to stand in the vision and the reality that God Almighty is for me. In fact, the Bible says if God be for me who can be against me amen so you start every day realizing yeah some stu- tough stuff will come my way today there's going to be some oppositional forces there are going to be some things that will press against me and yes there will be some things this year that will press against you but rise up and exercise your vision and see the God who is for you God is for you God is not against you number two See God's opportunities and possibilities around you. This is is vital. All these five things are vital. That every day of your life, you need to see, what are my opportunities today? What are my possibilities today? Because God is actively at work in your life right now. Right now, He's actively at work in your life. God's work and will for your life is not someday. God's work and will for your life is today. Today. You with me here? I talk to people all the time and I hear things like this. Well, Pastor, one day I'm going to do this. And someday I'm going to do that. And one of these days, God's going to do this. Can I encourage you to stop that stuff? Stop the one day, someday, somehow, some point. No, start with today. God is the God of today. Amen. You don't even know if you have tomorrow, okay? So God is the God of today, and today in your world, there are blessings in your life. There are opportunities that are in your world right now, and what you do with the opportunities that are with you right now in this moment will determine where you end up in your tomorrow. If you don't handle your today the right way, then you're not going to be prepared for your tomorrow. You certainly are not going to be prepared for the next five years or 10 years or 20 years if you're not faithful in what God asks you to do today. And so many people will walk through their day blind to their opportunities, blind to their possibilities, not seeing the great opportunity that God has put right in front of them. What is it in your world right now? Are you a mom? Be the best mom you can be. Are you a dad? Be the best dad you can be. Because those kids are not going to be in your house forever. If you're an employee, be the best employee you can be. Whatever it is you are in your life right now, give it the best you possibly can because that is the thing that will lead you to your tomorrows. Make the decision to see the opportunity. don't be blind to them see them have vision that allows you to see they're right in front of me number three see the need for god's grace and strength in you the kind of vision that i'm talking about today is not a vision about how great and powerful and wonderful you are i'm not asking you to wake up every day and go look in the mirror and say i'm awesome no, because you really aren't all that awesome. Neither am I. How many, how many ordinary people we got here today? Come on, raise your hand, okay? We're just ordinary people, right? But the good news is that we are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God, okay? And the, our ordinariness, that's a new word, put that in the dictionary, okay? is superseded by the extraordinary nature of God when we see our need for His grace and strength in our lives. Every day you need Him. You don't need Him one day a week. You need Him every day of the week. You don't just need Him once every day, every hour I need you, okay? Okay. Every minute I need you. In you, I live and move and have my being. Amen? So in God, we have to establish and see that we have a need for him. And it's it's something that drives us to him. The need is so strong that we say, God, I can't live today without you. I I don't want to try to live and do things on my own. God, I'm leaning towards you. I'm moving towards you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm leaning on you. I'm depending upon you. God, I need your grace and I need your strength. And when you pray like that and live like that, God shows up in your world and God does extraordinary extraordinary things in ordinary people so you can have the most beautiful car in the world latest model most beautiful design all the wonderful bells and whistles but if that car comes without an engine and fuel you have nothing amen you can look all pretty have designer clothes on and look as sharp as you want to look and be empty on the inside are you with me and all you are is a shell. You're showing something on the outside, but you're missing the power on the inside. I don't want to have a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Amen? I want power at work in my life. Your cell phone, your beautiful smartphone that is permanently attached to your hand, okay, is of absolutely no value to you when the battery is dead, is it? It does nothing for you, and you run around in a panic trying to find a place to charge it, okay? Why? Because you realize that without the power, there's nothing. Without the power, it's just a dead piece of equipment. And dear ones, I want you to know, and I say this not in, in any deprecating way, I say this for all without God, we're nothing. Amen. Without God, we're nothing, okay? Apart from Him, we can do nothing, and apart from Him, we are nothing. We need Him. Number four, see the victory that has already been won for you. This is your vision. I'm giving you vision muscles here. These are exercises. God spoke to Joshua about seeing victory at Jericho before the victory was ever won, okay? He said, see it, and if you see it, then you're going to experience it, Okay? Envision it, it'll, lead, it'll build your faith to moving toward it. So, this is the envisioning of victory before the battle it even started. And I want you to know that as you go into this year, as you live and pray and serve and fight battles, remember something that Jesus has already won the battle for you. Let me remind you of the victory that Jesus won. When God sent his only begotten son into our world, Jesus came from heaven to earth with a mission. His mission was to seek and save those that are lost. That's us. How did he seek and save us? He did so on the cross of Calvary. When he went to the cross of Calvary, it was not just a human event, it was a divine event where God caused Jesus to take on the sins of all the world. There was a moment when Jesus was on the cross where the very Father turned his back on his son. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment in time and history, God placed the burden and the responsibility and the punishment for the sins of the world, every sin you have ever committed, every sin that I've ever committed, every sin the whole world has ever or will ever commit, all of that responsibility and burden and payment was placed upon Jesus to pay justice for all of that. And in that moment, as God turned His back on Him, Jesus made a substitutionary death for you and me. He died for your sins, and He died for my sins. Thank God He died for me. He took my place. He died for you. He took the penalty that I deserve so that I could have life but that is not dear one that is not the end of the story the story goes on because they laid him in a tomb that afternoon and they expected it is all over with it is all done we'll not hear anything else from this guy this religious leader it is over with but they decided to go back and just check out the grave on Sunday morning and when they arrived that Sunday morning the stone was already rolled away and they went on the inside to look for the Savior to look for Jesus To see where he was, and there was an angel that was there that said, He is not here, He is risen. He had declared that He was Lord over death, hell, and the grave. And there in that moment, He conquered every force of darkness, He trampled under His feet every work of the adversary. That day, and through His death and resurrection, Jesus conquered. That day, Jesus received all authority. The Bible says that God has given Him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every name knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Understand something, we're not waiting for Jesus to win. Jesus has already won, okay? And that means this, if you're with Jesus, you're on the winning team. You can't lose. If you're with Jesus, you're on the winning team. Now, does that mean everything's going to be perfect in your life and you'll never have any problems and everything will always be easy? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But what it does mean is this, that even in the midst of the battle, there's someone that has already fought and won the battle for you and you are going to make it to the other side, okay? Don't you give up. So every day of your life, you see the victory that's already been won for you. I've got to wrap up your number five. I'm getting too excited this morning. You got to see the God of power and purity, who is committed to you. Power and plenty, I should say, who is committed to you. I'm going to talk about this briefly. What's your vision? You need to have a vision that God is committed to you. God is committed to you. Let's break this apart for a moment. We many times talk about us committing ourselves to God, right? You need to be committed to God. If you've never committed your life to God, you need to do that today. That's where it all starts. You give your life to Jesus. You start a relationship with God. You need to step up today. This is your moment. Your your best life is never going to be realized in your own power. You need Jesus in your life. Amen? Okay? So today, step up and commit to Jesus. If you've never done that, do that today. But when you commit to Him, He commits to you. In fact, He's already committed to you before you committed to Him. Okay? See, any relationship requires dual commitment. There's no relationship that works when only one person is committed, correct? Can't make a marriage work if only one person is committed, right? Can't make a friendship work if only one person is committed. If anything's going to work in a relationship form, there has to be dual commitment, okay? And so when you say, God, I am committed to you, I put my faith in you, God says, I'm committed to you as well. I'm committed to you. What does that mean? It means lots of things. I don't have time to cover them all. But one thing it means is this. It means that He will care for you. He is your heavenly Father. He knows everything you're going through. He knows every challenge you're facing. He knows every problem that you're, you're encountering in your life. And He not only cares, but He's committed to doing something about it for you. And your vision needs to be that whatever I will go through this year and in the years to come, I am in relationship with the God of power. I am in relationship with the God of plenty. And He is committed to me. Make the choice this year. I will grow stronger. How will you grow stronger? You start start growing stronger by growing stronger what? Vision. Exercise spiritual vision, and you'll see the benefits it will bring to your life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word this morning. We ask you to seal this word in our heart. We pray that you'll help us to consistently do these exercises, Lord, that will make our vision stronger so that we can grow stronger in you. Let us be like Elisha and Joshua. And most importantly, Lord Jesus, let us be like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God. And we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention His name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ.